All right, everybody, and welcome to this episode of The Gruesome Boys. No? <laughs> We're going to have a proper sound thing there for that. Oh, yeah. But this is The Gruesome Boys, the Handsome Boys Halloween edition. We are really excited to kick it off with a classic 80s trash horror movie this week. Well, it's not really trash, actually. I thought it was going to be. Uh, but before we get into that, Chris, you just got back from a trip, man. How are you? I am great. And I mean, you literally just got back from a trip. I did, yeah. Like, you got back just like two hours the, ago. Just walked in the door. Uh, it was great. It's camping out in the Okanagan. Um, you know, just looking at trees and... Uh, you kind of escaped the smoke? Uh, actually, no, it was really smoky. It was really there. smoky there, too. Yeah, I don't know. So Can't escape it. Uh, we're dating this, uh, recording of this, but this was uh, recorded right after the great Washington fire smoke crisis of 2020, <laughs> where we just basically lived in a fucking disgusting puddle of smoke for the last week and yeah, a half. Yeah, man. All the, you saw all the, like, the social media and everything saying how we had the, for a couple of days, we had the worst air pollution in the world, or yeah. worst air, air quality. Take in the world. that, Lahore. Yeah. <laughs> what is Lahore? It's in Pakistan. Oh. <laughs> or maybe it's pronounced differently, but you know. Uh, um, anyway, um, while you were gone, it's I... French for the whore, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure okay. it is. All right. Uh, Putain de mail. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Uh, I know that while you were gone, you watched the same awesome TV show as I did. Uh, as I did, um, I want to talk a little bit about Ridley Scott's awesome show that you can watch on HBO right now or Crave in Canada called Raised by Wolves. Yes, called. Uh, I was gonna do it. <laughs> you beat you to it. Yeah. Snooze or lose, bro. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so we hang on. So uh, let's uh, spoil. Say spoilers here. Yeah, we're gonna talk so, about it a little bit. Spoiler alarm. Spoiler. Uh, we're gonna get real deep into the first, uh, I guess, five episodes of uh, Raised by Wolves. So if you have not seen the show and you're planning on it, uh, skip ahead. Um, we're gonna note in the um, episode notes on. Uh, Spotify and Apple, etc., about when that's going to be. So skip ahead to that if you don't want to hear about it, or okay, if you don't you care. Pretend like you know how that works. If you don't care, if you don't give a shit, if you don't give a fuck, if you're a loser, then you can keep listening. Or if you've already heard about it and you just want to hear us talk about it too. If you're if you are a loser, please keep listening. Please keep listening and tell all your loser friends to listen too. <laughs> we really need those uh, those those listens. Spoiler alert! <laughs> Spoiler alert! Uh, okay, we're back. Raised by Spoiler Wolves. Spoiler alert. Jesus Christ. Raised by Wolves. Uh, Ridley Scott's new show. He directed the first two episodes. I think his son directed the two subsequent ones. I don't know who did the next ones, but it looks like a pretty uh, solid family but collaboration there. It is Holy a fuck. dope, original, hard R oh boy. sci-fi how, tale. How much, okay, how much did the, does the Necromancer remind you of two things? Mother? No, number, mother. Number one, uh... The robot in those old commercials, the War Amps commercials, you're like, I am Astar, a robot. I can put my arm back on. You can't, so play safe. <laughs> Remember those? I do not. Oh, come on, Sorry. man. I'm cutting that shit <laughs> in there. That sounds hilarious. Okay, we're going to watch this trailer. Uh, just just hold on one sec. We're going we're gonna to pause this. I'm going to show something to Chris, and then we're going to be right back. I am Astar. A robot. I can put my arm back on. You can't. So play safe. Okay, <laughs> we're back. 
What do you uh, think? Uh, yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> wow, what a what a time for commercials. Like, I don't know what that was about. War amps. Be careful. Stay safe. But you know, it's a robot just uh, freestyling, parkouring through a post-apocalyptic cyberscape. Yeah. So, and she wants you to be careful because she could put her arm back on, but you can't. Right. Okay. So anyway, and it also. How much did the uh, final five minutes of the pilot remind you of fucking Akira? When she's oh walking God. down the corridors, just literally exploding everybody into the ceilings and walls. The, the first time she exploded somebody, I like, I think I got a boner. I got a boner like, too in that I was, scene. Yeah. I was like, this is the best kind of action. Like, yeah, a live action anime. It immediately reminded me of Akira, of course. Yeah. It's also an old anime called Elfenlied, where a girl has, like, invisible arms that no one can see that she can just shred people with. And even bits of the North Star a little bit in terms of the explosion. Yeah, right? you just hit a guy a bunch and then he just pops. Just, yeah, so to get into it real quick, basically what it's about is... Uh, yeah, you tell me what it's about, because... Uh, so Earth, Earth... I still need answers. So far, far, far in the future, uh, Earth is divided into two factions, uh, a pan-religious faction called the Mithraic, who worships Saul... There's a lot of Christian... Praise I, be to soul, man. Praise be to soul. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, and I'm talking about the son, not not Saul Rosenstein, who uh, is my tailor who lives down the street. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you, Saul, if you're listening. Yeah. Pra- um, praise be to Saul. Yeah. Uh, anyway, they're, this, they're very... It's very like similar to Christianity in a lot of different ways. They eat wafers and drink out of a chalice. and Yeah. They have big robes. But it looks pan-ethnic and pan-cultural and like... You know, but then there's the other faction, the losing faction, that, and those are the atheists. The atheists. So it's very similar to that South Park uh, three-parter, remember? Oh, go with God, the otters. Go, and God, the, go. Yeah, yeah, Richard Dawkins. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but yeah, it's it's the the style of it is so interesting. Like the let me let me just let me just set it yeah, up. Yeah, run quick. through it, please. Yeah. So basically. Uh, the, the what well, it opens up with these two androids landing on Kepler 22b, which is a real planet, which they which astronomers think could actually sustain life. It's in the the sweet spot or whatever they call Goldilocks it. Goldilocks zone. Yeah, yeah. and uh, they get there with uh, human embryos, which they use mother to grow somehow or to incubate, and they are supposed to raise children and create the new humanity, right? But it doesn't go very well. A new atheistic society free of religion. Right. Most of the kids die, except for Campion, the the main kid, uh, who's named after their creator. Uh, and then the uh, the Ark that the Mithraic oh. sent from, just I'm not going to get too granular about it, but I'm, the Ark that the Mithraic sent to... Uh, to Kepler 22b as well. Yeah, bas- just basically, both sides like they battled for Earth and destroyed the it. The Earth is done, and so the Mithraic uh, sent uh, their people in big arcs off into space to try to find just one arc, just the one, just the okay. one. Yeah, it's implied. Uh, I think by the episode you're on that there may be more. They don't know. They're implied, but there's yeah. been ex- there's no. They they say there have been explorers and missions and stuff, right? right. Because yeah. but there's no. This is it. That's why. So mother at the end of the first episode discovers that she isn't just a regular service android like father. Yeah. Uh, she's what's called a necromancer, who are actually built by the Mithraic to kill atheists, and they're kind of these cool metallic shrieking banshee robots they look like a they look like a, an enemy that would be a pain in the ass in a video game like, yeah. like mass effect 3 remember the banshees yeah, yeah right yeah. yeah that's sort of what it's like so anyway she uh transforms from you know her looking like a human and the actress amanda collin who plays her is just she's the new breakout perfect breakout star right perfect now casting. right she's from denmark yeah uh and uh 
she turns in, she transforms into the, this like copper silver thing and flies with her yeah, two arms like, out and shrieks. Yeah, she goes from looking like an android woman, kind of like Data or something, to being like. They're a, more similar to the Wayland Utani. Yeah, robots. like aliens. And that's because yeah. they're really Scott, right? Sure, yeah. Okay. So it's very, there's a lot of parallels there. There is, yeah, even when they get cut, yeah. right? They bleed the, they bleed like, the white, white goo. White milk. Yeah, and they have to, and then so and it's all about her eyes. Like she has to have a certain set of eyes yeah, in there. Yeah, so make basically, her... she, she, yeah, when she kicks into gear, when she realizes, like when this power is awakened in her, she extends her arms out yeah. and can fly around. She gets, she, like you said, she turns into like a bronze statue, basically, and I guess uses like sonic waves or something yeah. to just explode things. Yeah, and, just pop people, basically. Yeah. Right? And it's done in the most, because Ridley Scott loves his gore, and it's done in the most vicious way possible. Oh, there's that great uh, one episode where when they first encounter the creatures that are on the planet. She pops that guy real she, good. Well, she pops one of them. And then uh, she's talking to father the next day about it, like you know, perhaps we could eat them for food. And he's like, perhaps uh, if there was anything left. Yeah, he's like, I would have, I would have uh, tested that out if you had left any remains. So anyway, what happens at the end of the first episode is that, or this might even be the second episode, uh, mother. Um, uh, goes on to the... No, it's the first episode. Mother goes on to the Ark, massacres... She figures out the Ark is in orbit. Yeah, massacres most of the crew and kidnaps the children who are there. Yeah. Or a bunch of the children, anyway. Yeah, and it's like her programming kicks in. It's like, chilled their children on board. Yeah, because I'm most of... i take them and make my... And they're going to try again. Atheistic society. And they figure out a bunch of shit. They figure out why the original children died, that the uh, food that they were um, giving them was radioactive, but Campion has some sort of natural immunity to it. Yeah. Uh, they find out that there's other indigenous creatures there, which they hadn't seen for the first several years they lived on the planet. Now we know, now we're seeing that there's an ancient civilization that, that was there because they built something was built, and that has, you know, prop the Mithraic think it's a shrine to them, right? right? Uh, there's other sentient life there. Uh, there, just there seen, I, so don't ruin that for me because I, have I haven't so seen so many most... questions about what's going. Because that's the thing is even to where you're at, like people are starting to hear the voice of soul in their head and yeah. stuff, and like. That who knows what's going on with these creatures on the planet, let alone the uh, uh, like uh, artifacts that they found, yeah. which look like um, symbolism from the Mithraics, other like from their their all their um, texts. What do you call that? Well, it's Par- possible that it's possible that. They- well, no, like they have like their little like. You know what's the thing like in a church, like the, in a Catholic church, you wave the smoke thing around. The incense. Yeah, so like the, the they have things like that, like the Mithraic have things like that in that same shape. Yeah, they as do. That kind they of, also like, use the. Like, they also use. Uh, they also use wafers and um, wine, wine and stuff. So it's very similar to Catholic. The, Im- the imagery is very similar to Catholicism. And you would almost buy like, Crusaders. They look like Crusaders. Is what I, they look I meant like. to say that yeah. earlier. Yeah, their their whole they're they're it's they're all soldiers on both sides, right? And the yeah. Mithraic soldiers kind of look like Crusaders. Uh, the plot, like the war for Earth, the battle for Boston happens in like I think it's like twenty one forty five or something. Wow! So you almost kind of buy maybe it was in this timeline it was born out of like our Christianity and just like evolved and changed into this new Mithraic, you know, cult Who knows? or whatever. It's, I hope they have more back. I mean, as the, as the show goes on, I'm sure it will because it's massively popular. Yeah. We don't need to tell everybody the plot. Like, just if. If you're listening to this, you probably watched it, but yeah. And if you're not, go watch it. Go watch it. But uh, yeah, well, I think my favorite thing about it, besides how violent it is and how hard science it is, you know, hard sci-fi. It's just original, man. Is, it's original. It's a new. It's a, it's it's a new not, story. Yeah, I, I was for sh- expecting for sure to look it up and say, oh, it's based on a book. Or no. So I'll really Scott. It's it's a completely original screenplay, right? Uh, and yeah, it's. Uh, 
I would have liked it just for that alone, but it's also one of the best sci-fi it's shows a breath that of, come out in a long time. It's a breath of fresh air, you know, because so much stuff that I've even that even that I've enjoyed, like I love The Witcher, I fucking love that show, but it's based on a game and a book, right? Yeah, everything's and, based on something. And I there. really like, uh, you know, what was that other one? Uh, Lovecraft Country, right? But that's based on other stuff, right? right. Myths and legends and stuff. So it's pulling from specific. No, that's things. not necessarily bad, but it's, no. it's really cool to see something so good it's and new. so original be made that's not based on an existing property. And you know, just so fucking brutally violent too. Yeah. That's what I want, oh. right? HBO never. The thing with HBO, they never let us down with the with the violence, man. No, they've always been the go-to place since Oz. For just, like, the most savage fucking shit. And that's, like, it's crazy. It's always been like that. Like, from Oz, Sopranos, right through, even Six Feet Under, like, and Game of Thrones, True Blood. Like, they've always, Westworld. Yeah. They never fucking shy away from Deadwood. Deadwood like, they never yeah. shy away from buckets of blood and gore, man. Absolutely not. So, good on you, HBO. I am here for it. Dude, I'm, they're good again. So, they, they've got the Lovecraft Country going on, which I'm which I'm really digging. They also have this new one with Jude Law that's a, a, a folk horror uh, folk thriller horror TV show which uh, the name's escaping me right now but I just watched the pilot and it was great the first episode cool. so I'm really into that so HBO's back man they're back with like multiple high end good shows all at the same time for the yeah. first time in a while 100% so. yeah yeah no I'm loving it um, yeah, I could talk about that forever. We should maybe recap uh, Race by Wolves when the season is done. Let's do that. Uh, real quick, I just want to say, like, because uh, it's uh, it's on Game Pass right now, and you said you download it. Res- I just beat Resident Evil 7. Yeah. That's got to be the best horror game I've ever played. Like, yeah. that, one, you, that one surpassed 4 for me for the best Resident Evil game, and that's saying a lot. Uh, this game blends... Like a minor, I'm, a, I'm just like I'm not a big guy. I don't love stealth to overwhelm. No, you're a big guy. I don't love stealth to overwhelm my games, but when it's used in the right moments and in the right way, I really enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. And it's really well done in this. Uh, you, you, you never, even though it's challenging and tough, you never feel like it's unfair. Like if you fuck up and don't have enough ammo, that's your fault. Hey, that's the because you were lazy, game. right? Uh, I forget who it was that said it, but it always stuck with me. And it's like the difference between good hard and bad hard is like if you fuck up and it's the game's fault. That's bad hard. But if you fuck up and it's your fault, that's good hard, right? Yeah, exactly. And this game is all about, you know, making sure that you're not... And you get to a, you do get to a point eventually where you don't need to manage your ammo and stuff anymore. And the game starts to give you more ammo as yeah, it gets a little but more... But you sh- want that. Right? Yeah. And there is one part that where the environment changes um, and it's not the best sequence of the game. But overall, it's a fucking masterpiece. And I can't... It's on Game Pass. So if you have that, go download it and yeah, play it. it looks real cool. I'm going to play that one next, I think. Um, do you got anything else to throw in there? Or no, you, uh, I mean, I could briefly mention... I'll wait till you watch it. We'll talk about it more. But I watched Mulan. And... Uh, right. You know, without getting into too much of the behind the scenes and whatever about it, uh, I just watched it at face value, and it is a really good movie. I really liked it. It's just a really fun PG, you know, to be fair, but a really fun martial arts movie set in, like... uh, Ancient ancient China. China, Feudal China. Historic China. All right. Uh, Don't know why we were doing that, but hey. Uh, Russell Crowe. Oh, yeah. Fighting Fighting around around the world. world. Okay. We're going to cut that in. And so here we are in history-rich China. These Chinamen can grow to over five feet tall, and in a foot are known to kick with their legs. Let's see if we can get in for a closer look. (laughs) All right. Well. Anyway, enough of our nonsense. Yeah, uh, Uh, we're going to take a break and come back with more of our nonsense. Yeah, the worst kind. Stay tuned. Suck it. What movie? 
garden tool massacre. It's your basic slice and dice. Your basic what? Well, this guy in a hockey mask, he chops up a few teenagers. But don't worry, there's no sex or anything bad. They won't let you kids into a movie like that. All right, we are back. And Chris, what do we have this week? Oh, Nathan, this week we watched Garden Tool Massacre. <laughs> I mean, The Blob. The Blob. The 1988 version, that is. Yes. Not so, the 54? Uh, 55. 55. Yeah, it came out on the... Or sorry, 58. It 58, came out on the 30th okay. anniversary of the original. Right, right, right. So this is a remake of a old classic uh, monster movie. Yeah, like an old black and white monster movie, just like The Thing, kind of, right? Yeah. And these movies often get conflated, I think, because right. of their similar body horror style. Um, this movie directed by Chuck Russell. Uh, he, went, he later went by Charles Russell. Uh, he is a very, like... I didn't know this. This guy is a very notable film director. Yeah. He directed uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors, mm-hmm. uh, uh, The Scorpion King, The Mask, and Eraser yeah. with Arnold Schwarzenegger. That is yeah. quite so, some resume. movie Eraser. I like the... Uh, fuck off. I, that's the one with the rail guns. That's badass. That's the one with the rail guns. The only part of that movie that sucks is the CGI uh, alligators. That's that's awful. Right, it's yeah. Not, today, it's real You know bad. what? That might be one of my first memories because I saw that in theaters with my mom and my sister one of my first memories of being like that wow CG is worse than the real thing yeah like, that should be real alligators that or should rubber be. alligators or something they were swinging their dick around with CGI there and it did not work out yeah. when did that movie come out uh, in 96 or 97 yeah so midnight that was a mid- that was a, I don't know I like that one that was a that was a fuck off I like that was a good one you're a shithead <laughs> alright I'll revisit it uh, we'll do it for the podcast just for you uh, and the mask is probably his. The mask is probably his biggest hit uh, with Jim Carrey. That's quite a combination, eh? The it's Blob, a, the mask, and Eraser. It's an interesting resume. The Scorpion King. Yep. Uh, he's also directed a bunch of episodes of TV shows. Um, he's yeah. He's yeah. He's a pretty. Uh, oh, and he also produced the. He was a producer on the film Collateral with Tom Cruise. Okay. Uh, Jamie Foxx. So the guy's been around. He's a big Hollywood guy. Uh, yeah. He uh, co-wrote the screenplay. He did with. with Frank Darabont, the legendary Frank Darabont, director of the Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile, uh, the guy who brought The Walking Dead to TV, so I don't know if you like him or hate him because of that. Um, anyway, this movie, a huge bomb at the time, had a budget of $10 million, and it only grossed eight, and most horror movies make their money back pretty quickly, so this was a real, real catastrophe. It got really shredded by the critics at the time. Uh, today, it's obviously considered a classic. It's So, yeah, that was, this movie does show up on lists, lists of like best horror movies of kind of like that you know underrated or whatever even just best um, horror movie like top, top best best body horror movies yeah if it, it'll be on a top 50 list for sure yeah of like any any websites top 50 horror movies this is going to have a place on there probably i would say in the 30s or 40s yeah and i, I will save my rating for later but uh spoiler alert on that i fucking loved it yeah so it's fun yeah so I'm not going to play the spoiler alarm for this because I fucking love this movie. It was, it is fantastic. Uh, unfortunately, it's not easy to find. We had to download it. Yeah. Uh, so you'll, you'll probably have to buy it on iTunes or use uh, illegal means. Um, not that, of course, the handsome boys endorse that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this movie starts out. No, we've never pirated any. No, no. I don't even know what that is. How would you? How would you even do that? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a fucking nerd. I'm not a fucking nerd to you. Jesus. No. <laughs> 
All right, so this movie starts out with one of my favorite uh, logos in a movie, the TriStar logo. Yeah, you know how it goes. The Galloping Pegasus. Uh, some shiny credits. I want to start talking about the uh, the studio <laughs> logos more. All right, well, in these you, we can talk about TriStar. TriStar uh, is a classic. Talk about it later. Um, let's dive on into this film here. Why don't you start us off? Post TriStar logo. Post TriStar logo? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we open on space. <gasps> like so many. Uh, handsome boys movies open yeah, on. It's yeah. just a star field. It's a lot of space lately, I find. Yeah. You know? Also, the uh, we get the f- classic uh, the fly font, also kind of like the thing. Yeah, but it's like purple. Specific font with like a light or glowing blue, from the background. This one is purple. Purple, right? Yeah, as opposed to what green? For yeah. The uh, anyway, uh, so you get space pans down to Earth and then zooms all the way into a small town in Alabama. Yeah, no, it's it, it takes it's filmed there, but it takes place in California. It takes place in California. Yeah, okay, uh, small town California. Because remember they have, they have to get snow, right? For right, ski right. season. Yeah, it's, yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> factors in. Factors in later. much later. <laughs> Uh, and then, um, yeah, we go, we zoom to a small town high school football game between wrote, a classic matchup between the Red Whites and the White Reds. I wrote, American is apple pie. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it I love the like idyllic beginning of this movie is like just pr- pr- pretending to be this total cliche 1950s horror film. It's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, most of my notes in the beginning are just about the... I wrote before, Sean... Before the blob ever gets involved, it's just about the comings and goings of this... Yeah, this little tiny this little, little town, town. This one-horse town with one-horse people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wrote Shawnee Smith is pretty young and hot. So, Shawnee Smith, you might know her today. She was in Becker. Remember, she's his, like, receptionist? Oh! On Becker. Okay. And she's also in the Saw movies. B- B- Becker, the show that gained, garnered a lot of attention because... Ted Danson, the star, got a contract where, for the first season where he got paid $1 million an episode. Yeah. It was the highest, uh, like, uh, paycheck on, like, syndicated TV shows. Yeah, because that show was made for syndicated... No, I, I can't remember what it was, but it was something ridiculous. This is where I'm going to admit that I'm not 100% sure what not, syndication means. Syndication means shown on many networks. So, like, ah. Star Trek The Next Generation was not was produced by Paramount, but not for a specific network. It was shown on Fox, on CBS, on ABC. Oh, I never it knew that. shown on all that stuff. That's fascinating yeah thank you so uh he was not the first person to get paid a million those were the seinfeld cast but i think he was the first like single person okay i remember being big news it was big news million dollars he's worth every penny yeah of course yeah the king of tv right yeah anyway so she's you know her from and also the saw movies yeah so she's a cheerleader meg uh and then we meet uh our i guess our protagonist paul uh played by uh, Donovan Leach. Uh, I don't know. He never never credited as Donovan Leach Jr., but he's the son of the famed uh, 1960s psychedelic rock star Donovan, who wrote Hurdy Gurdy Man, amongst other uh, hit songs. Okay. Also the father of Yoni Sky. Wow. Okay. Yeah, Interesting. So, so um, I should save that for what we learned, but sure. you know. Well, we learn lots of things. You know. We do. We do can't, learn lots of things. Can't can't stop the knowledge from coming out. Um, so Paul is on the football team. He's a wide he's on, receiver. Yeah, he's a receiver, I guess, uh, or tight end or something. Oh, he's definitely built like a quarterback. Uh, and uh, his buddy is talking to him while he's on the bench, and they look over at Meg, and he says, "I think she wants your body." Uh, yeah, because that's, that's how I talk to my male friends. Yeah. Hey, and I think that girl Meg. wants your body, man. I think she's interested in your appearance, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, they have a little back and forth about, like, uh, when are you going to ask her out? He's like, I will. Like, it's, timing is everything. 
And then he goes out for the big play. He catches a pass, and then he gets tackled over the water cooler and laid out. <laughs> he asked her out. Right in front of her, yeah. And she's like, she looks down. She's like, Paul? And he's like, what are you doing after the game? Passes out. Or what are you doing later? Very comedy. Yeah. Uh, I should note real quick here, because we're going to be doing a lot of jumping around, because this at uh, this part in the movie, it kind of cuts between all the different characters, so we get to kind of know everybody a bit. Yeah. And it's very fast. So there's cuts between, uh, I think, four different storylines or three different storylines kind of happening. Correct. In, uh, in conjunction with each other. And so. what happens quickly right here? Okay, cut to <laughs> the most badass kid on the planet Earth. <laughs> uh, this no, we don't go to... Do we go to, to, to Brian right away or do we yeah. go to... Oh, yeah, Johnny Drama. I wrote here Johnny Drama. <laughs> so, of course, uh, that might tell you who this is. It's Kevin Dillon, uh, Matt Dillon's older... Uh, identical, identical not bro- twin brother. Identical not twin brother. <laughs> uh, yeah, so most badass kid in the world. He is jeans and a leather jacket, leather jacket, collared shirt, smoking a cigarette, drinking playing, a beer, drinking a beer, playing with his motorcycle out by a derelict uh, bridge. Uh, re- yeah, a wrecked bridge or something in the mountains. He's imagining himself, you know, going over the the jump like Brian, Brian, and he fucks it up. Yeah, he, he, he ditches, ditches his bike at the yeah. last second. It's actually pretty cool. Yeah. At the same time, he sees this homeless man who, uh, who's got his, his uh, one of those dope Australian uh, dog, cattle, dog. cattle dogs yeah. with him, like Mad Max's dog. Yeah. And uh, he takes his beer can, dumps out the rest of the beer, and throws it in the bag. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck, man? That's not cool. <laughs> no, that is not cool. <laughs> uh, then we cut again, and we meet the, diner. the sheriff. Herb. Herb. The Herb sheriff. Geller. What a name. Herb Geller. Played by Jeffrey DeMunn. Great character actor. Right. So he's in uh, this uh, little diner. He's talking to the waitress. Fran. Fran. Another one of our characters here. Uh, and he's uh, trying in a really clumsy roundabout way to ask her out. Um, I think he says, uh, say, uh, uh, oh, there's uh, this new band playing in uh, the other town over there. Uh, he's like, uh, oh, yeah, they're, they're a new band. They're like a, you know, post-hardcore instrumental band with like kind of like power emo yeah synth wave fusion instrumental oh nice sounds like my style (laughs) no he says yeah it does kind of like early AFI (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no he says uh, do you like country music (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna assume Uh, that she does yeah she's like uh, what's his name again Uh, Herb Herb Herb, are you asking me out and then she like kind of brushes him off like ah well I'm gonna be busy here all night whatever and he uh Tears off, I think, like a parking ticket or something off of his belt and writes down his uh, number. And he's like, well, if you want, you know, give this is my number at And the then station. she gives him his check and it's got and it's got a little note at the bottom that says, I'm off at 11. Yeah. Oh, Herb, you dog. You did it, Herb. You did it, Herb. Um, so uh, then he leaves and uh, we see... Uh, Brian, or Brian Lincoln, Flag, leaning up against an alley, smoking looking a cigarette, cool. looking cool, looking real cool. And uh, the sheriff pulls up beside him as he's buttoning it out, and uh, he says, uh, "Brian," or he says, "Flag, congratulations." And he's like, "What?" He's like, "I heard you got a birthday coming up." Yeah, you're not gonna and go to juvie no more. Naive me. I remember this I wrote down. I was like. Aw, I thought he was actually happy for him. For <laughs> yeah, we're going to go and have that catch on your birthday, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> Buy you a drink. I'm, your, I'm actually your father figure. <laughs> but no, it's not that kind of movie. No. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, he basically says, uh, yeah, you turn 18. Um, no more juvie for you. No, he says, uh, he puts it really funny. Uh, oh, he's like, uh, you screw up again and you're in the majors. Yeah. <laughs> Baseball, um, baseball joke. Even though yeah. they're a football town, yeah. you know. God, just just the, what a continuity. Just said the bigs. Sure hope someone got no, fired. No, that's that one, that's right? still a baseball thing too. 
Yeah. I hate baseball. Uh, so we do cut. Yeah. So flag anyway. He he says whatever to the sheriff. He goes into his garage where I guess he works part time. Yeah. Um, and we meet the, his cool black uh, mechanic, a, a boss uh, Moss. Moss, who takes who they got the snowmaker there, and he's like, don't worry, the snow's coming this year. So I guess they're in a town. He's working on snowmobiles. I guess they have there. a ski hill on the mountain by their town, and they depend on the ski hill for their tourist, tourist economy yeah. in the in the winter time, right? And it's been lean years, so the town's kind of dilapidated. You see a lot of clothes. You also the Rexall sign, which is a clear sign of a small town, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of cool, Moss is also cool. He's uh, cool. He, he so uh, the, the conversation between them starts with Brian asking if he can borrow his socket wrench set to go fix his bike that he left out in the woods. Yeah. And uh, he's trying to talk him into it. He says he'll work a couple extra hours on the weekend, maybe if that would be okay. Yeah. And uh, Moss agrees, tells him he's like, oh, there's 22 sockets in that 22 set. 22 sockets. They better all come back. And then he goes over to uh, a snowblower truck, like a mobile snowmaker. Yeah, the snowmaker. Pops open the lid of the ice tank and pulls out two beers and cracks them and gives one to Brian. <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, Moss is played by this uh, great character actor named Bo Billingsley. Uh, he is the voice of Jet Black in Cowboy Bebop. Oh, cool. And uh, is in a lot of live action films as well. Yeah, he, oh, this guy has been in a lot. I definitely man. recognize his face. He has been but in a lot. A lot he, of TV. He's great in this movie. But yeah, he is really good. Um, yeah, so, yeah, that's all our main players there. And then we cut back to the old man and his dog in the forest. And his, and, his shanty. Yeah, and he sees a meteorite coming his way. Whoa! And this is where I wrote, um, good, because I was getting a little bored learning about the comings and goings of these townies. So this is actually where I realized that I had not seen past this point of the movie. I thought I had seen this movie before. I was you convinced it was I had. A cute, like, uh, slice of life tale about a little just town in California. I just remember... Like seeing the <coughs> the meteor fall, Kevin Dillon and the girl and everything, and I mean, like, oh yeah, the blob. I've seen that, right? Because you know your memory does that. I've seen 15 minutes of it on TV and thought you saw the movie. Boy, do I! And uh, this, yeah. So this actually may be one of the first movies we've actually done, The Handsome Boys, that I haven't really seen the movie before. So it was pretty. It was pretty awesome. Sweet. That yeah. Doesn't happen too often. No. Um, so. I had, I also hadn't seen it before. Um, but I I knew the plot of it. Yeah. I mean, Heavenly Perry. It's called the Blob. The it doesn't exactly. Need, yeah. The Simpsons has referenced this. We're gonna have to find some of their. Uh, oh, maybe we can play the song from the Halloween one that's based on the Blob, where it was actually recorded by Sir Mix a Lot. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> or uh, don't touch Lisa. It's the Blob. If, if, if you, don't touch her, it'll get you too, or whatever yeah. he says. All right. One of those. One we'll of right those. Right here. Boom. Lisa, the blob has got me. Don't touch me or I'll get you too. And we're back. All right. Um, so, yeah. So, the old man sees this meteorite land. And uh, we actually don't see what happens with it just yet. We cut back to another great scene where Paul and Scott, still wearing their letterman's jackets, are in the pharmacy. Uh, and... Uh, uh, Scott asked Paul to loan him five bucks. Loan him five bucks because he needs to buy uh, condoms. And some banaca. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he doesn't say that, but when he goes to the counter, he's like, a pack of Trojans and a banaca this, spray. This seems actually really funny. And it started to, starts to, you start to realize that this movie has actually got a great sense of humor. And yeah. he goes up to order and he orders it all awkwardly. Because the, the, the back then you had to buy it behind the counter. Yeah. 
and the town pastor comes, he goes goes up to the pharmacy and goes, give me a pack of Trojans and some banaca. Thanks, chief. Yeah, well, he goes back to get it. He turns her out of the reverends right Yeah, the there. town he's reverend. Like, reverend. He's, like, <laughs> he's like, hello, Scott, you had such a good game and t- today. And he's like, oh, thanks, reverend. And then, you know, he comes up and he goes, you want regular or rib? And he goes, uh, ribbed, I guess. And he goes, oh, that's my friend Paul over there. And he goes, oh, it's not for me. It's uh, actually for my friend uh, over there. Uh, yeah. He's got this girl. and uh, I just want him to be safe, I, you I know? at least be safe. <laughs> And then uh, he goes, and he cuts back to, he goes, Paul goes, hey, Scott, hurry up. I don't go all night. And then he just like, the camera cuts to him, like looking at him going, this guy, you yeah, know, it's yeah. so funny, man. Like it's yeah. really good. And then the, uh, the pharmacist, uh, says, uh, uh, he doesn't need a uh, condom. He needs a muzzle. <laughs> so I don't know. I guess he doesn't want him to eat pussy or something. I guess. But, uh, <laughs> uh who, do you know anything else that that uh, pharmacist is in? I forgot to ask you about this earlier, but his face is so right. He's yeah. like your dad in something. Yeah, he's, he's, he's been in tons. Well, you know what we'll do? We'll, we'll, we'll bring it up for what we learned. Sounds good. Okay. Pharmacist guy. Pharmacist right guy. Down. Where is he from? Where is Write he that from? down in your notes. Where, whence did you come? From whence did you come, pharmacist man? So I believe at this point we do cut back to some blob action. Um, let me see. Yep, back to the old man in the meteor. Um, so um, he goes up to it and it's like pulsating. And, it's very uh, Dwayne Barry and yeah, Creepshow here. Open. Um, it's full of that pink goo from Ghostbusters 2 that makes everybody angry. It does look like <laughs> leftover goo from uh, Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, there's a lot of scenes where it looks like that goo. <laughs> very similar effects. I believe they used similar effects. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, he does what any of us would do, and he pokes it with a stick. I mean, I would poke it with a stick. Yeah. I mean, I know that if something came from outer space, the first thing I would do is touch it. Yeah. You know, it's your chance, right? It's my one chance to. Once to you hit call it. the government in, they're going to take it away from you, and you're take not going to touch it. You're take all the credit for this, it. You know, it's your chance to poke it with a stick. Um, this is he, why I've been wearing the tinfoil the whole time. Yeah. So he pokes it with a stick, and it's all squishy, and then. We get a nice, quick, uh, fun edit. We smash cut to a kid slurping up some red jello off yeah, a plate. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, Meg's family. Her Meg's little brother family. and his. Yeah, buddy. we learned that a few minutes later. But yeah, yeah, this is Meg's Meg's little brother and his friend. And her perfect eighty, the perfect eighties mom with uh, this this pretty face, the short curly hair, yeah. and the collared blouse, the collared blouse, and just the calm deme- the calm, cool demeanor. You know. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. So she's asking the kids what they're gonna do, and they're going to a movie. Um, it is called Garden Tool Massacre. <laughs> I love it. Uh, he did, the kid's like obviously a movie buff, so he describes it as, it's your basic slice and dice. Yeah. Uh, a guy in a hockey mask slices up a few teenagers. Don't worry, there's no sex or anything bad in it. <laughs> An indictment on America and what they cared about in terms of uh, violence and against sex. And still do to this to day. This day. Yeah. yeah. Violence is fine. Violence is fine. Like, you can have a movie like Mission Impossible Rogue State, which is rated PG-13, where people just get headshotted and brutalized the entire time. But yeah. there's no kissing, there's no sex, so it's fine. You put in there, you're PG-13. Oh, you man. put boobs and butts in your R. A couple of F-bombs, it's yeah. over. Uh, yeah, and then uh, Paul knocks on the door because he's there to pick up Meg for her their date. Oh, this is so funny because he's like, "Hi, I'm here to see Meg." He's like, "What are you gonna see? What do you want to see her for?" He's like, "I don't know, just to see her." Yeah, <laughs> like you fucking bitch. Yeah, so <laughs> Jesus awkward. Christ. So uh, this this scene's fantastic. Why don't you take us? Yeah. Through? So um, he comes in. He like you know meets the kid and the mom, and he's being real polite. And then he's like, "Are you ready to go?" He's like, oh, "I just want you to meet my dad first. <laughs> so they go into the 
fucking like the den. his uh, study yeah. <laughs> and he's on the couch reading a newspaper and he can't see his face and uh, Meg's like dad I want you to meet my friend Paul and he pulls it down and it's the, the it's the pharmacist. pharmacist yeah and he just looks at him and then he just says ribbed <laughs> it's so good oh man I was fully into this movie at this point like yeah. I was raring to go yeah this is good it's great like it it is well I'm sure we'll talk about it more later but like it is a parody of small town American movies, movies. Yeah. but it also kind of is doing that in kind of like, well, like, like a, it's a like revamped what's, version of. It's like what Scream did. Yeah, right? but before. Yeah, but Sc- Scream did it for slasher movies. Scream leans a little harder into the parody side of it. I At feel. first, it does. But you're right; it does do the same thing where it's like you're making fun of like slasher movies while also being a really good slasher movie. Same with here. This is making fun of the old '50s horror movies while being a fantastic. Uh, monster movie, right? Yeah, couldn't agree more, Nathan. Thanks, Chris. I'm, we should do a podcast together. Oh, I agree. I really like uh, the way you think. Um, yeah. Then we cut to Brian again fixing his bike in the dark, dark woods. He loves night. those woods, man. He loves those woods. Uh, and as he's doing that. The homeless guy charges out of the woods with an axe. Yeah, and he just starts hacking at his hand. Yeah, he tries to cut his own hand off. So this is the first of what this movie will uh, do over and over again so awesomely, which is really awesome, practic- gory, practical effects. This movie's practical effects are probably on it. Uh, there, I would have to say of 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 all the non CGI effects I've seen, this is top ten. Yeah, like it's yeah, really it's good. up there with the, the thing, thing and the fly. Yeah, like. oh, all those great, all those great body horror, you know, movies that had yeah. that, the American Werewolf in London. Yeah, like. and, and and I think the, maybe what you would say the mark of a good body horror is is that it's not just using practical effects. Well, it's actually that's almost the point of it. It's like going out of its way to like, like you get tight shots on everything and they really like linger on all the practical effects that they've made. So you, yeah, you see him hacking into his arm and it's bleeding. He's got this goo Goo, ball stuck to his arm. Um, I guess we missed. It keeps I, moving, yeah, we missed it because it keeps moving up on his arm. Yeah, when he first pokes it, it like yeah, lashes onto his onto arm. Him. Yeah, and we it's forgot like climbing that. up his arm. Um, yeah, so he's trying to hack it off. Um, he uh, Brian runs from him, and the guy chases him, and they come out into the street. Yeah. And, so Paul was taking Meg off to the woods to rape her somewhere. Yeah. They're oh yeah they're uh, on their way to Anal Point to see what yeah. all the fuss is about. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they the Brian and this homeless guy with the goo on his arm and the axe come stumbling out of the woods. And, Coincidentally, cut off Meg and Paul in their car. And they hit the homeless guy. They hit the homeless guy and knock him down. And uh, And Paul comes out all hot, like, uh, accusing Brian, I guess. Oh, because he doesn't like Brian. Because Paul's Paul's on the football team and Brian's... uh, Because Brian's a greaser and Paul's a soche, Badass loner who plays basketball. And the soches and the greasers don't get along, you know? You don't have to be in Tulsa not to get along, you know? (laughs) I'm Um, talking with the outsiders. Yeah, he's he's a a jet and... Yeah, the other guys. Uh, Whatever the other ones are. Wolf, yeah. <laughs> Star. <laughs> I don't even know the the, the Jets. I'm thinking of. You're thinking of um, West Side Story. West Side Story. Thank you. But what were the? It was the Jets and the what? Fuck, man. Why'd you do that? Uh, I like to make. Were references. the Jets the Puerto Ricans? I like to make references to things I haven't even seen. Were the Jets the Puerto Ricans? Uh, sure. That sounds right. Okay, I just remember a lot of finger snapping. Yeah. That's how you start a, f- a rumble. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that just Romeo and Juliet? 
yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah that sounds right. Star-crossed. Yeah. yeah, one's a one's a white, and one's a, a Puerto Rican who played by a white girl. Right. <laughs> that sounds right. That sounds like Hollywood in the '60s. Um, so you know what's messed up about that, real quick. Yep. That movie was directed by Robert Wise, the same guy who directed the Andromeda Strain and the first Star Trek movie, Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Talk about, talk about a weird resume. Anyway, yeah. sorry for the digression. Um, yeah, well, next week we're doing West Side Story. Yeah, we'll figure out. Stay tuned next week when we figure out who the Jets' rival was. Yeah, the- <laughs> <laughs> I want to say the stars? The, the exciting conclusion of... The, the Winnipeg Jets versus the Nashville Predators. <laughs> yes. I think they were the Colorado Rockies. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, yeah. So Paul's like, "You're not going anywhere, Flag. You're coming with us. We're going. To, there's gonna be a lot of questions, and you're gonna help answer them, right? Yeah. And kind of to be fair, like I kind of agree, even though Paul's being a total douchebag about it. You can't leave. I kind of agree with him. You can't really leave. We kind of need, yeah. See you have an accident. But this is why I kind of like this movie because it's a little bit realistic, a little bit. Mm-hmm. So they and also one of my favorite tropes is coming up. So I want to kind of take it from here, if that's cool. Uh, so wait, hang on. Let me think about it. Is it cool? Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks for the permission. You're so. Welcome. We go to the uh, the hospital or the the small town hospital, and this is the one thing I love about eighties movies. Adults treat teenagers like trash. Yeah. So you're gonna talk even, about this apathetic nurse? Even the the popular rich kids, just no one believes you. You're a kid, so you're fucking stupid. Right. No one has at the time of day for anything you have to say. Yeah. Right? And 80s movies. So they go there with this homeless man who's in clear distress. They're like, he needs help. And she's like, uh, fine. Yeah. Well, fill out these forms. Uh. First she says, hang on a second. And she like finishes like three pages of her paperwork and then says, okay, what can I do for you? Oh my God. And they don't even say like, he's hurt. He's got Are, a, Is there something wrong with him? He's got you? acid on his hand or something. Yeah. Like, so yeah. she's like, oh, fine. And then it's so funny because he's about to, so then all, anyway, Flag just leaves and, and then Paul's like, wait, where are you going? He's like, I don't care what happened here. Come on, man. He actually says, uh, yeah. Brian leaves and he says, uh, if you need me, you know where to find me. Yeah. And I guess he means in the middle of the woods. Yeah, in the middle of the woods, where his bike, back yeah. where his bike You guys goes. know where I like to go. Yeah. Way yeah. out in the middle of the woods it's, at night. It's where I go to cry and cut myself and drink beer. <laughs> um, My dad will be back from that cigarette trip soon, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> um, d- uh, did you also notice the orderly guy or whatever the other the male nurse that she's like she called the nurse calls him in like he looks exactly the same as the guy who plays the projectionist later yeah he looks like an obvious pedophile yeah I don't know what it is about the projectionist and the orderly both look like pedophiles yeah so anyway yeah he takes him away uh, and then uh, we get Paul kind of waiting in the waiting room and he can see just barely into the room where I wrote some first date here <laughs> oh yeah he says that to Meg yeah. and she's like I've had worse or something like that Jesus really <laughs> yeah Tell in this, story, in this small town yeah. <laughs> of like 5,000 people wow well I've been date raped hundreds of times by every other member of the football yeah. team so um, <clears throat> yeah so Paul is you know like twiddling his thumbs or whatever and then he can kind of see the homeless guy in, in a room and he sees something like move under the yeah, blanket. Yeah, it was an obvious distress, right? So he goes yeah. and gets the doctor. And I, there's another another great scene where he's like, "Doctor, the man is no, dying." He's no, like, "No, no, well, no," because it's not just from that. He goes and he opens up the blanket. Oh, and he's expanding. And the, no, he's like, oh yeah, he's like all opened up and yeah, like everywhere and pulsating. Yeah, so he runs to grab the doctor, and he's like, "Doctor, this man's dying." He's also apathetic. Like he, he goes, said. "I'm with a patient right now," yeah. and he's like, "No, he's dying." He's like, "Ugh." 
Yeah. I guess like, I'll do my job. And, he, and he's like, is this the hand injury? And he comes yeah. in and he whips open the and blanket. ripped in half. And the guy's missing his bottom half. Oh, so great. Of his torso. Uh, did you catch the conversation that the uh, doctor was having with the woman? No. Before? It's like a like an end of life conversation. Like very briefly you hear him say, uh, well, you know, in situations like these, it's often about the quality of life. <laughs> so the medical professionals in this movie are painted in a very negative light. I wonder what happened to uh, Frank Darabont uh, yeah. as a child to make him hate medicine and doctors so much. <laughs> you know? Because he's got negative... He's got negative on other, in other films, man. It's not just this one. Yeah? He has issues with, like, a thor- Like, anyway. All right. Um, uh, so, Paul... Uh, oh, the... The blob uh, grabs the doctor here, I believe, right? Or no, the doctor runs off. Yeah, Paul calls uh, the, the sheriff. Paul runs into the doctor's office call and the calls the sheriff. And then he realizes the blob is over his head oh. in there. And it gets Paul. Real good. It gets him. Paul's done. And then done. he screams. And Meg runs in. And he's like half consumed by the blob. And she tries to pull him out by his arm. And she pulls his arm off. Oh, it's so gross. And then his hand's twitching after. Yeah. You also see the first time of the blob sucking his face back. Yeah, and like, like, and like burying over his oh, face. Oh, it's so good. So the effects are so good. So surprise, Paul is not a pr- the protagonist of this movie at all. Yeah. Yo, he's done. Paul's dead. Yeah, bye-bye, Paul. Uh, we, I, I was obviously very happy at this point. I love the unpredictability of like, yeah. main characters dying early. Yeah, me too. I was, and, I, and I knew that you would be into that. So we cut from uh, the hospital to... Well, they the, the cops show up. They say, oh, you know, Brian Flagg was here, right? So they... Um, and the uh, Meg obviously looks traumatized, so they cut to the police station. They've got Brian. Don't they say something like before they go to the police station that, that scene? They're like, "I want the son of the bitch, son of a bitch that did this," and it's like, and they're they're already early on gonna finger Brian for it, right? But it's like the guy's body. No, is the, like, nobody believes them about Paul. Nobody believes Meg, right? Right, but the guy's the homeless guy's body's like melted in half. Right. Right? Like, what do they think Brian did? Yeah, well, that's, so anyway, so, so anyway, we get introduced to Paul McCrane here, who's the deputy played by, uh, or the deputy played by the great Paul McCrane, who uh, Handsome Boys listeners will know as Emil from Robocop. Yeah, one of, one of Bodiger's henchmen. One of Bodiger's henchmen. He's the guy who gets melted by the toxic waste. Yeah. So, iconic scene. He's also on ER for fucking uh, 10 years. I, when he popped up on screen here, I was like, awesome. Yeah. Because he's got the fucking sheriff deputy mustache. Oh, he's such a, like, he's a, that, he's a that, hard ass. He's also in that episode of the X-Files, where he's out the cancer from people and then oh. that's how you find out that Scully has cancer yeah, remember that's him yeah that's okay, him yeah right. so he's like you've got something I need remember <laughs> yeah. so it's a great episode so he really wants Brian's head I'm sure Brian fucked some girl he liked or something like that yeah. uh, and then uh, the sheriff is like no 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 like Flag's a punk but he's not a killer yeah they like, grill him for a minute he's and they got step no, aside and talk he's and like he's like, got no blood on yeah, him he says uh, no what no no motive uh, no 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 blood yeah and uh yeah not a drop of blood on him yeah it's right. not obviously yeah, not then him. he says uh he's a punk but he's not a killer that's what I just said oh sorry oh, fuck <laughs> god you just tune out unless you hear your name uh so this coming up right now so anyway we cut to the police station and uh so anyway we're actually about to cut to uh, one of the funniest parts of the movie here. absolutely and, we are and I know that you really like this so I'll let you uh take the lead here <laughs> so we cut to uh Paul's buddy Scott out on his date with Vicky and I literally the way events unfold I literally scratched out the words from these notes and kept rewriting it and I wrote Scott making out with scratch that 
assaulting. Scratch that. Raping. Scott is a uh, bad person. Scott's a bad guy. Scott's a real bad guy. Scott yeah. is a, uh, Scott's basically trying to get this girl as drunk as fucking possible. Yeah, at one point he's like, uh, uh, I... Oh, he's like, no, he's trying to make out with her, and she's like, I'm not in the mood or something. And he's like, oh, but you're wearing one of my, you're wearing my ring. That means something. And then he's like, maybe it's time for another one of my uh, special cocktails. And uh, she's like, she's she's like, "Uh, no, I think I've had enough. And he's like, what? You've never had enough. (laughs) Which, uh, you know, that's 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 pretty rapey. That's pretty rapey. So this is the rapiest Um, part. Yeah. So he goes to the back of his truck of his car. Pops it open. I paused it. I paused it. He has it's a lot of grenadine in there. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a lot of like flavors from <laughs> yeah. there. But he has like a full bar set up in there. It's hilarious. He's got like mar- he's got fresh strawberries. Fresh like, strawberries. Maraschino cherries. Yeah. He's got like a whole uh, bowl of those rings. That yeah, he yeah. That's, he's got a scar box full of rings. Oh yeah. And so he uses this move every time. He's yeah. Like, I want you to wear my my class my ring. class ring, babe. Uh, and he makes her a drink, and it's it's kind of funny because like. I was relieved. I thought he was going to drug it or something. He doesn't. But no, he's just doing it the old-fashioned way. Get yeah. blasted, right? Right. But uh, drugging's drugging's for for the for the for the weak rapists, Chris. Yeah, I did think it was funny how he like really put some effort into making a drink. He's got like a blender, like he's got it all in yeah. there. Yeah, and uh, how does it all stays upright? You know, in the back of his car when he's driving in this these like dirt roads in question. a small town. Uh-huh. Some questions aren't meant to be answered. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so he comes back and he's like, "All right, I'm back," and she's passed out at this point. And this is where the uh, raping begins. So he... uh, uh, It's really uncomfortable to watch, actually. It is very uncomfortable to watch, yeah. And I mean, I know that this movie is painting him as a bad guy for this scene, but not enough, I don't think. I think they were. I think think what happens next is uh, an indictment. I mean, he definitely gets punished. For an indictment for uh, for what happened here. Yeah, so he's like, oh, it sure is hot out here. And uh, like, he knows she's asleep. Just real quick, my notes were, look at that, look at that... Look at that pervy trunk. Pretty badass. Rapey, but badass. Yes, that is that echoes my feelings exactly. I was like, oh, that's. I, I wish it wasn't being used for rape, but man, that's cool. That's a pretty cool trunk. <laughs> if he was just using that to bro down. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's uh oh, it's it's really hot out here, and like I say, you know. Oh, he starts going out of blouse. Saving, like, hey, uh, starts undoing buttons. Oh man. And then he reaches in to grab a boob, and. Uh, Turns out she's the blob. Oh, she's the blob full, sucked she's, her out. She's full of blob. Oh, God. And uh, that's that's where I wrote down, thank God the blob got here when he did. Yeah, the blob really... Uh, so the blob might have, might have committed two murders, but he stopped the rape. Right, yeah. That'll, so They'll they'll go uh, easy on him in, during sentencing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> One of the guys I killed was trying to rape him. I wrote, let that be a warning to douchebags. Both, yeah. football, both football douchebags dead. Yeah, you might get away with it, or the blob might get you. <laughs> Uh, and, and again, we, so we cut to Meg at home, right? And, and again, nobody believes kids. Yeah. No, no, no one. No. Yeah. They're like Meg, yeah, you're so, really, you're really stressed out. You've gone through a lot of trauma, honey. So yeah, you they know. really like. She just watched her date, like the guy that ostensibly she's maybe in love with. Really into the guy, obviously. Yeah, really into the guy. Get killed in front of her. And they're just like, try to get some sleep, honey. I'm sure the police will figure it out by the morning. Yeah, they'll get they'll, they'll get Brian to confess, and yeah. it'll all be over. And then uh, her mom tries to drug her, tries to make her take like a sleeping pill or something to get. She some does. Rest. She gives her a sleeping pill. Yeah. yeah. And uh, oh my god, Erica was like, "Is that a morning after pill?" And I'm like, "What? <laughs> what? What movie do you think is happening right now?" <laughs> it was really. Fun. You remember in the hospital when the blob raped her? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> like, no, it's a sleeping pill. She's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> Hi, Erica. Hi. Um, 
so yeah, she uh, takes pretends. We're trying to. Okay, we actually girl. fucked up the the order a little bit. The police station's a little bit after, uh, because remember. Uh, uh, let's, let's time there then. Why? Well, like, I don't know, because you just kind of interrupted me going Sorry. through that whole part. So yeah, so Meg pretends, we find out, to take the sleeping pill. But right. Before that, she asks her mom, like, she's like, you don't believe me, do you? And I think she says, like, um, uh, well, you're, you're home and you're safe now. That's all that matters, right? Like, Jesus what, a, Christ. what a blow off. Like, yeah, what a classic 80s mom thing to say. Um, so yeah, we found out she didn't actually take the pill. And she sneaks out her window. Um, then we get a fun um, perspective shot from the blob. Uh, he is heading to town. Yeah, he's having a good time. That's way to town. Uh, real quick, I yeah. we did mess up. Uh, the The scene with the the police station happens now, not before. Oh, where they're interviewing. Yeah, Brian. So one thing I forgot to mention actually is the the deputy Paul McCrane gets right up into Brian's grill and he licks him in the face. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's so oh, gross. I, forgot about that. I hope they only have to do one take for that, man. Yeah. Yeah. He's like. Uh, He's like, I, either I want to see a lawyer or you guys can book me, but either way, I want you out of my face. And he's like, uh, what are you going to do about it? Or something gets in his face and Brian licks him oh, like, on the yeah. mouth, kind of. Real, real, real gross. Yeah. Uh, and the sheriff kind of thinks it's funny. <laughs> so I think at this point, uh, they, they, they let uh, Brian go. Um, yeah, that was where I wrote down, what do they think he did? Nothing. They let him go here. Yeah, right? but I mean, it's yeah. like, even in the first place, it's like, you take one look at that body, and you're like, well, this was... I think it's just not like... Not Brian. The, he's the town troublemaker, right? right? He's the pariah. He's the black sheep, right? Yeah. So Meg rolls up in her awesome beetle. Yes. And, yeah, as he's leaving the station. And she's like, we need to talk. And he's like, ah, oh, come on. I'm really sorry about what happened to your boyfriend. Like, I really am, but I, I'm done. I need to go and chill out. So he goes to the, the diner, to Franz. And if, she's just closing up, but she has a soft spot for Brian. So she'll, she's going to make him a sandwich. Yeah. You yeah, know? she's like, yeah, she's like, how about a sandwich, right? And he's like, oh, that would be great, Fran. Yeah, perfect. Uh, and then Meg uh, catches up and comes flying in. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so they sit down and they have, they have a chat, right? Uh, he offers her some of the sandwich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, he gives her some of the sandwich because she's she's crying. Yeah. And uh, I forget what he says, but she's basically like, "You're just like everyone else in this town." You put on a you put on a tough face yeah. and you act like you're different, but you're just the same as everybody right. else. She says, "But really, you're full of shit." Yeah. And uh, and he chases her. I was like, "No, no, like stop, like I'll, I'll listen, right? Like I'm sorry." And then they sit down. And uh, this is just a funny line there where yeah. um, he's, like, uh, laughing, and she's like, what? And he's like, uh, oh, well, I've just never heard you say the word shit before. What was that like for you? Yeah, how'd that feel? <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. Yeah, this movie's funny, man. Yeah, so, there's a lot of good humor in here. So now we cut to uh, the kitchen, and uh, Fran is trying, or the, the chef is having a hard, or the dishwasher's having a hard time clearing a drain. And uh, Fran's having a hard time. No, Fran's having Fran, a hard yeah, time. Yeah, Fran tries to unclog the drain with a plunger yeah. in the back. And the uh, chef comes over. He's like, let me do it. And he's trying to pump it. Um, and, uh, yeah, long story short, he reaches his hand in there. And it's the blob. And it pulls oh. him into the oh, drain. Oh, boy. So the next day. It's like a two diameter drain hole. And it pulls him all the way through it. So like, we cut to uh, the the kids and we, they hear the scre- Fran scream so they run in and we see the legs sticking out from the tub with blood and guts just chunking up and spraying through. Yeah, it's and so his cool. legs like sticking out right? Yeah, so this is a fantastic scene. Like this scene right here is intense. Yeah. Like this whole sequence. So they all, they all run off in different directions, right? Uh, Fran, I think, gets out like the window 
window, and yeah. the kids, uh, Brian and Meg, get to the freezer, right? So the blob chases them all. And right? it looks so cool while it's chasing them, too. It does, like, It yeah. looks great. They do different effects, right? It's not the same yeah, blob. No. It's Sometimes it's, like, kind of, uh, like, matte shit, and sometimes it's, like, goo, and sometimes it's got, like, tentacles that it sticks out at them, like, yeah. sticky tentacles. So, uh, yeah, they, they make it to the, the kids make it to the freezer, uh, and then Fran gets out the window into an alley, and then get goes into some sort of a phone booth, some sort of small closet with like a landline telephone in it. Yeah, it's called a, 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 a phone booth, Chris. Oh. I remember phone booths. I remember those from making up bullshit for a while. I wasn't gonna be home on time. Yeah, for sure. I left my shoes at. You the, know, imagine like now being in the age of COVID, like the phone booth. Yeah. <laughs> like how fucking disgusting they are. Like pay phones, man. Oh God. Never in a million years would go into one of those right now. No, no. I don't think they exist anymore. There's still a few pay phones oh, kicking around. Uh, when I was camping, I'm in like, you know, small town BC. I saw a phone booth. It was out at a, like, Did a, TELUS on a it? cottage. Yeah, it was a TELUS nice. phone booth. I think TELUS has the only phone booth. Well, because they used to be BC, BC Tel, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so... Uh, the kids are in the freezer. Um, the, the blob won't chase them into the freezer. No, so they notice the blob actually starts to come underneath, and it freezes really fast. It touches and it, the ice and, and freezes. It crystallizes and yeah, it pulls cracks, away. Yeah, cracks a little piece off, right? So, haha, um, that might come back in handy later on yeah, in the movie. Yeah. So then they think they're safe, and they decide to come out. Uh, Brian's got like a knife or a axe or something. Yeah. And uh, they're all nervous, and then uh, he they're sneaking out the the, kit, the back side of the kitchen. And he thinks he hears something, and he smashes this thing off the shelf. And uh, it wasn't actually the blob; it's a fake out. And he says, uh, "Oh, great, we killed the strawberry jam." <laughs> yeah, we killed the strawberry Which jam. Which I feel is a great alternate title for this movie. <laughs> we killed the oh, strawberry. Oh, great, jam. we killed the strawberry jam. <laughs> I do like that line. Yeah, this movie is full of those, right? Uh, so back to Fran. Things wait, aren't going wait, great. Wait, hang on. Oh, one, one very important thing happens here. So the Reverend shows up uh, here because he, I think he's not yet. Does he? Yeah, very briefly. He. Uh, Sees the frozen bits of that's the later. Blob. That's a bit later, I think. Is it? Yeah, I, I've got it later on in my notes here. So okay. Oh no, wait. We do see him here. He's coming out of the church, and he's got his Bible, and he's also got like a bottle of liquor in his hand, yeah. and he sees the blob go by and go into a storm drain, and he drops his liquor. But this that happens after the phone booth. Yeah, that happens after the phone booth. Yeah. So real quick, to back to Fran. Oh, sorry. Yeah. We're all over the place here. We're all over the place. This all happens very... This we, movie, look, hang on. Peek behind the curtain, guys. We, we drank a lot when we, we recorded this we podcast. We did. We do, and we did. But also, this... this and we, we do, and we did. This movie does jump between different characters it is, very yeah. quickly. This is a 90-minute movie, and my notes are like a page yeah. and a half longer than It's very fast. Movies. So, Fran's in deep shit. She calls uh, the sheriff's office, and it's like, where's Herb? Where's Herb? And the receptionist, another apathetic middle-aged woman, <laughs> says, oh, he went to the diner. And then the blob is like surrounding it, it. The, and then you see Herb's body, like d- decaying body, float up yeah. through the blob. With, so he's, with, with his uh, sheriff's yeah. So he, so sure. Herb's done, and she's trying to like keep the the doors closed with her feet, and eventually it just crashes through the glass and just smashes her. Man. Yeah, it yeah, looks and then, great. And Fran's gone. So Fran and the sheriff. So we all thought this movie was going to be about Paul and Scott and their rapey antics, and the sheriff and Fran's uh, meet cute romance. And Paul no. and Meg. They're all dead. They're all dead. They're all yeah. dead. Only Meg and Brian really. Uh, and I the think kids. at this point we cut off. Uh, we cut away to. This is where. Well, this is where we see the Reverend noticing the blob yeah. going into a storm drain. And he takes some pieces um, and puts them in a jar. And then he goes into the diner and he finds the pieces of crystallized blob yeah. on the floor and he puts them in a jar. Strange. Yeah, very strange. Not sure what's going through his head at that Why? point. Uh, then 
we uh, see Brian, we cut to Brian and Meg. Uh, they're trying to find a cop and uh, they go kind of off into the woods, Brian's favorite place. Back to where Brian hangs out. Brian's house. Yeah. The middle of the dark but You know forest. what? I don't think he's going to rape Meg because I think Brian's a good guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. despite the leather jacket and the attitude. He puts on a bravado, but he's got a heart of gold. But he's a good guy, you know? Um, so then. What do they run into but a team G-Man. of G-Men, a bunch of scientists in hazmat suits, oh, like yeah. hazmat suits in the forest. The government's there now. Yeah. And we meet Professor Meadows. Yeah, so they they run into them. They, 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 they see them, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, we get introduced to the head of this team of scientists, uh, Dr. Meadows. Dr. Meadows. Yeah. Um, a sagely black man. Sagely black man with a white beard. He looks very sagely. He absolutely and he's got, does. And he's got like a very relaxing... He's got magical black man He's energy. got the Paul Winfield thing going on, you know? For sure, yeah. Um, so he says... Magical um, black man energy. That's a t-shirt. Yeah, he does have magical <laughs> black man energy for sure. That's a t-shirt. Um, so uh, handsomeboysshop.com doesn't exist yet, but just... What's the, how did this get made when it's the most insane thing that you have to go to to get their merchandise? Oh, I can't remember. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be like that. Something funny. Uh, 1-800-PAUL-ASS. ass <laughs> Um, so he explains to them what's going on. He says, um, they're a government-sanctioned biological containment team. Government-inspired, uh, team. Yeah. And in classic <laughs> Trek style, he boils that down to say, we're microbe hunters, young yeah. lady. Um, and, um... What does he say? Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, the that's when the deputy shows up, right? Yeah, he's oh, what is this guy doing here? Yeah, right? and he says, "What are you doing here, Flag?" Yeah. And he says, uh, "Oh, the man from Glad here is showing us how to keep our leftovers fresh." Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, I also I, I don't know who says it, but I wrote down troublesome souvenir from space. We get cut, so I think at this point, though, we cut to the the characters that we forgot existed, and those are the kids, is it not? Um, let's see, uh... Oh, no, okay, there's a little bit more of explaining okay. what's going on. So they're talking about, like, that, you know, they're worried that the a meteorite might have brought a virus from outer space. Yeah, what does Brian say? Like, well, yeah, yeah it's the biggest virus you've ever <laughs> seen. He says, uh... Uh, your meteor brought something all right, but if it's a germ, it's the biggest son of a bitch you've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then we cut to Michael Crichton making out with a very young girl. <laughs> uh, Chris, I really don't want to incur the wrath of the Michael Crichton estate. Crichton estate. You know, they're very litigious. Oh, God. I'm sorry. I'm still, I'm still working on what I said about Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> So, please. Yeah, so we get to this. It's like a, a. You assume it's some more victims, right? Yeah. So it's this Michael Crichton looking guy making out with a girl that looks way too young for him. Yeah, they're like, what's that sound? Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, we realize, oh, no, this is the movie. This is Garden Tool Massacre. Oh, man. The kids are there watching it's, it. It's so funny because they see the killer come up and he's got the hockey mask, and the guy goes, wait a minute. Hockey season's over. Yeah. Hockey season ended months ago. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Hockey season ended months ago. Yeah. I love a good movie in a movie, man. I love a good fake movie. That's it's always... Great. It's, this is so perfect because, like, we talked about this movie's, like, parodying but, like, improving upon the monster movie. Yeah. And then we have this, like, super formulaic, cheesy monster slasher movie. At least well, this came out at the height of the, like, ridiculous Jason sequels. I mean, the, he's wearing a hockey mask. The endless Jason sequels that made less and less sense the longer they went on, right? I'm going to refer to... Uh, the Jason movies as Garden Party, Garden Tool Massacre. You should. From now on, you should. I think. Um, so yeah, the kids are there. 
they're watching it. Um, There's this obnoxious douchebag making comments. Yeah, some hick guy behind yeah. him. He's like, can you keep it down? We're trying to watch some movies. Like, Shut up, little punk. Yeah. And the brother um, is like, God, you're, you're gonna... the brother who's the usher is like, who, who snuck them in is like, you're going to get me in trouble. Shut up. Yeah. Right? Like, Shut up, kids. Yeah, yeah. The the one, his friend, the the so Meg's brother's friend. Yeah, like, the gla- with, with glasses. He, he's always got his uh, headphones on. Yeah, he's supposed headphones. to be watching this movie. And even in the movie, he's still got them on. Yeah, because he's a f- fucking little punk, he's right? He's a punk. Uh, yeah, then we see the projectionist uh, up in the projectionist. Another, room. the brother of the pedophile who worked the, at the... The nurse from the hospital. The, the orderly, right? Yeah. yeah. who's also a pedophile. Uh, so, yeah, weird, creepy-looking dude playing with a yo-yo. Yeah, well, um, And he's sweating his ass off in there, and he's like... Checking out the uh, AC and like there's no air coming out. He's like, oh great. Calls like, down. Calls down to the lobby. It's like, is the AC on? It's like it's cracked to the max. Well, something must be blocking it up. So he sticks his head into the air vent to check it out. Whoops! And guess what happens? Yeah. It's he, the it's the blob. It's the blob. He gets eaten by the blob. So the the uh, the like theater manager like walks upstairs to go like, what's going on in here? And and. Uh, and this is great. So yeah, obviously he's been eaten by the blob. The theater manager comes in. What's going on? Sees here's the yo-yo. Sees the yo-yo dangling from the ceiling. Looks up, and the blob at this point is now a mass of like it's huge. body parts yeah. and goo and it's stuff huge. on the ceiling, and it grabs the uh, theater manager and uh, attacks the theater guys. Yeah, attacks. Yeah. I think that we cut away at this point. We don't see the the. No, we cut away now. It's back yeah, the to the. Of that back guy. to the forest again. Yeah. So Brian and Meg get taken into a van here, right? They tell them they're gonna bring them back to the town because they gotta yeah. put the town under lockdown for their safety. Brian tries to to say, "Well, no, I don't trust you guys. I'm not going." And then they take a minute. Yeah. Kind of like uh, he called their their bluff. Yeah, like, for no, sure. This is, it's optional. It's for your safety. And uh, Meg is worried about her family and her and, and her brother and her parents, so she wants to go back to town. But Brian's got nothing to lose, so he's like, yeah. "Fuck this, I'm out of here." Well, he gets a little speech in the van where he's like, uh, "I just don't. I got a problem with authority figures, right? Yeah. And I I didn't see any like identification or anything. Yeah. Who are these guys even? He says NASA, CIA, RCMP. I love that. Yo, Royal Canadian Mounties. Yeah, Royal Canadian Mounted Police. No, he says Royal Canadian Mounties. Oh, okay. Says. Yeah. yeah. I love that though. I wonder if that was ad libbed. That sounds like Kevin Dillon. Yeah. You know, I just I watched a lot of like I hate to say this, I hate to admit it. I watched every episode of Entourage and consistently, even though that show went from being like kind of a funny original show to being douchebag fantasy garbage by the end, the one consistently excellent part of that show from start to finish is Kevin Dillon as Johnny Drama. Yeah. And he is excellent the whole way. Like he's so good. His I can't timing. think of a lot of things I've seen him in, but uh, he was in, this. uh before this he was like the reason he got this this gig is because he was on the breakout guys from Platoon. Oh, that's Bunny, right. Bunny the crazy guy who kills everybody. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the lunatic. So yeah, and he's in a lot. He was in a lot of stuff, right? Like you know, a lot of like indie stuff too at the time. And, and he reminds me a lot of his brother, and I love him and everything. Yeah, Matt Dillon's great too. Um, so he bails from the van. They've got jumps the right out. Jumps right out the back. Uh, also, there's a really. I like how efficiently he picks the lock too. Just so yeah. casually, just takes the lock pick out of his fucking jacket and just jimmies the lock open while he's having a conversation yeah. with May. They have a little conversation about like, well, you know, are you coming with me? Are you you bailing on me or whatever and she decides to stay yeah also when he lands he says a funny line I guess to kind of establish that he's getting feeling catching feelings for Meg he just goes Christ flag a cheerleader a cheerleader I love that I love that so flags, flag jumps out of the truck Meg goes back to the town uh, so yeah Meg uh, gets to town in the truck and uh, the whole town is under quarantine uh, and man 
I just, I can't imagine what that would be like. Yeah, what's it like, what's it like to be under quarantine? If that happened to me, I think the first thing I would do is I would just run out and buy every single roll of toilet paper from the grocery store. What I would do is I would go and I would buy all the, the, the sanitizing wipes, store them in my garage, and then sell them for $20 per. Yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's what uh, a real man would do. Well, if that situation ever happens to us, we're going to be ready. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> I want it to be normal again. <laughs> Come on, movie. You're ruining my escapism. Sorry. Sorry. Go on. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so Meg... Uh, I think she has a little exchange with the like one of the scientist guys. Like my brother, I think he's at the theater. And he's just kind of like, "Look, get back in line. We'll deal with that later." Uh, so she sneaks off uh, to go to because the, theater. the whole town is white. The authorities are being very gentle and uh, friendly to all. The yeah, people. they're giving them a reason. Yeah, they're know, explaining. For, they're explaining things to them, and uh, they're being patient with them when they get angry and violent. Yeah, yeah, they're they're sir, sir, calm down instead of just you know taking out their baton and cracking their skull open. <laughs> Uh, and I'm sure if, uh, in modern society, if people rioted during a pandemic, uh, quarantine situation, this is probably how it would go down. Yeah, the cops would be very gentle. They wouldn't, uh, pull anybody off the street illegally and stuff them into unmarked vans and drive them away to who knows where. No, that's the stuff of fiction. That's only what happens in Hollywood films, like the one we're talking about today. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so yeah, so she sneaks off to the theater to try to find her brother. Uh, the ceiling blob... Uh, has taken come out of the projectionist booth and taken over the entire theater. Yes. There's just limbs everywhere. It's great. Uh, it looks fantastic. It looks it looks so good, man. It's right in the middle of the theater. It's picking people up and sucking them in. Yeah. So she runs in there. I, and I, I don't really know what happens next because they had a couple of seizures during this point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think this is watch why... this movie, the screen is flashing yeah, like black and white, like a so scroll. She runs in there like pretty bravely to get her brother and her brother's little friend, and this actually starts off like, in my opinion, it's just in a breath, a breathtaking like chase sequence. Yeah, totally. Like the whole time, you're just like on the at the edge of your seat. Like they they escape the theater, they get into the alley. Uh, they get into the sewer. Yeah, they climb into a sewer. Uh, this actually, this part is where shit gets really gross. So, and, and at the same time, the government, uh, uh, Dr. Meadows has mandated his people to, to collect the blob at any cost, the specimen, right? Yeah. So, once again, in the sewer, uh, we cut to Brian again. Oh, we overhear some stuff now. Yeah, Brian's in the forest. Big twist. Finally finishing the repairs. On this the is the big, the big twist of the movie right here. Yeah. Surprise, and, there's a twist. Yeah, so Brian's finished fixing his bike in the woods. He, finally. Finally. Thank God he got those sockets. I don't think those that uh, Moss is getting those uh, socket, uh, wrenches, socket wrenches back, yeah. but he'll he'll forgive him given the apoc uh, apocalyptic nature of the events. <laughs> yeah, what's to come. Uh, so yeah, he he uh, stumbles upon the uh, crash site of the meteorite and the, the the scientist guys, and he overhears their conversation. And this is there's a lot of big reveals right here. Oh boy! The first thing you get is a shot of them using a like a crane to pull the meteorite out, and you realize the top half looks like a meteorite. The bottom half is a satellite, like a probe, a satellite probe with the U.S. flag <gasps> on the side of it. Why would they put their own flag on it? It was <laughs> otherwise they won't know it was made in America. It was from Earth all along. Yeah. So this oh my is. My God, the, I was wrong. It, it was, was Earth, Earth all along. Yeah. So it's not uh, an alien. Yeah. So. Uh, it's a bioweapon that the U.S. military developed and put into space because it was too dangerous yes. to uh, have on Earth. So 
I think yeah, that that is that is the, the premise yeah. for it. Um, they talk. There's a lot of exposition that happens here, and it's all very great. But basically, uh, they think that the uh, effects of zero gravity allowed it to like grow exponentially. Um, they're talking about oh, that one of the um, like uh, subordinate like scientist comes up and he says this thing's growing at the a center, geometric yeah. rate. There won't be a United States. Uh, yeah, they they say uh, the, like one of the guys obviously like the military representative, uh, like a colonel or something is the like, square jawed buzz uh, cut. Yeah, he says uh, this will put the U.S. Def- U.S. defense years ahead of the Russians. Right, because the Cold War is still going on at this point. Exactly, um, and then yeah, the guy says, uh, I, "I don't think you understand by by the calculations we have by this time next year there may be no United States." Yeah, the dissenter. Yeah, um, and then Brian gets caught. He like cracks a branch or something, and they chase him. Uh, he smashes one of the guys in the face with a wrench. That's pretty cool. Crack, cracks his suit, and then suddenly it's a motorcycle cross event, or. Or I wrote down the worst chase Bond chase scene of all time. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> yeah, so it, he's on his bike. They got like ATVs. Somehow and, in the in pitch black, Ryan's navigating his way because I guess he goes there so often. He knows where all the trees yes, are. That's where he lives. <laughs> yeah, it's just sense memory. Um, yeah, and uh, to escape. Uh, long story short, he. Uh, Let's go out to the beginning when he failed at his attempt to make that to, to jump. jump the gorge. Yeah. So this the time. Jump Springfield Gorge. Now that yeah, jump Springfield Gorge on his motorcycle, and this time the stakes are higher. He's fixed his bike, and he makes the jump, and he escapes. Well, not well. He basically does, and then he like hides up by the pipe, you know, and then the uh, which leads to the sewers. That's important. Oh, he right? overhears. I think them saying. That it, they think it's in the sewer yeah. system. They're talking about cutting off the yeah. drains or the water mains or something to keep it contained. Uh, we go back to Meg and the kids. Oh, in the this sewer. scene is great. Yeah. Uh, so they end up at like like a drainage uh, pool, right, with a couple ladders leading up. But it's like this is where the sewer. This is like the it's like the pool there, right, where it stops and drains, and. Uh, the I can't remember the name of the character, but the brother's little friend with the glasses gets sucked into the to the water. Yeah, they're they're trying to climb out yeah. altogether, and at this point, the blob is like a big gaping pink hole. It's sucking the rats down from underneath too. Like that was a pretty good shot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This little rat, this rats on like a plank trying to survive, and it just gets like sucked under by the blob. Mm. So. Uh, yeah, like you said, it eats uh, the one little kid. Little Billy. Yeah, little, little the friend, the headphones. So Mag jumps back in to try to get him, and he comes out of the water, and he's just getting... I love this. There's just no mercy to the kids in this movie no. either, right? No mercy, man. This movie is fucking ruthless. Like, it just kills people. Like, I love it. Yes. Yeah, and that's why the, the stakes are so good. You've killed... You've killed Paul. You've killed the sheriff. You've killed... Fran. Fran. Like... Anybody could be next, right? Yeah, you don't. You never we know. Don't, we don't know if Brian and or Meg and or the kids are gonna make it. And one of the kids doesn't make it. No, one of the kids dies. It's fucking eaten awfully, and it's awesome. Yeah. So I mean, let's take a moment here to talk about the blob, right? So the blob is this like biologic, like a virus grown it's, it's, out of control. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's not so much of a. I think it's more of like a bacteria. They, they say a bacteria, but they also say virus. But bacteria makes way more sense. Yeah, so it's like a massive bacteria. It's a massive bacteria that just grows but and eats. Consumers. Every time it eats anything, it gets bigger. Yeah. Right? So it's just getting bigger and bigger at this point. At this point, it's like the size of a pickup truck or something. Oh, it's right? bigger than that. Yeah, it's right? like this big 10, 20 foot size, wide yeah. mass moving around in the sewer system, uh, and so. They, the, I guess uh, Meg and her brother, they get out uh, the manhole at the last second, and Brian. Oh no, yeah. they don't get out the manhole. No, they get out the they go another way. Yeah. And Brian 
grabs them and comes into the well he's got, he rode he rode his bike into there right that's so right he, so he grabs uh, so the brothers already escaped right because he, he could fit through the little little bars but uh, Meg had to go the other way and he gets Meg on the bike and then the the blobs in front of them in the in the pipe and this is such a this is actually a scene I think uh, Half-Life 2 uh, directly rips this off because there's oh. a scene in Half-Life where there's a mass and you have to ride on the wall of the pipe to get around it and I just right. uh, remind me of that it's a very video gamey scene right definitely yeah so he rides his motorcycle up on the wall yeah, to they, escape they're, they're trapped in a corner it's like of reaching at him and too to, to get away from it yeah he's got to ride like yeah. halfway up the pipe to get over and it's it. reaching at him too yeah, right? yeah, the tentacles are yeah. coming out at him it's a great shot um, and then they pop out of uh, oh no! no. They, they try they to meet up with they meet up. They meet up with an injured member of the the government crew, right? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. This, and he's all fucked up. He's all right? fucked up. And then um, they the the three of them try to get out of a manhole. Yeah. And uh, the scientists are Meadows. already there. Meadows is already there, and he's like, "Seal that manpipe." And up. Even the manhole up. Even uh, the general guy is like, but my men are down there. And he's like, it doesn't matter. Containment yeah. is our number one priority. Yeah, he's expendable. Yeah. Um, so they reluctantly do it and they park a truck on top of it. Oh, this is great. And then uh, as they're trapped down there, Brian realizes that this guy's got like a rocket it's launcher. It's a bazooka. That's yeah, what it is. Classic bazooka. It's a one-shotter. On his back. The one that like folds up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like a pipe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he pulls it out and he blasts the manhole and launches yeah. the truck out of the he, way. Because of course you can shoot a bazooka with one hand. Yeah, and I'm sure there would be no collateral damage. No, it wouldn't right? break your arm or anything, right? Yeah. Uh, so they get out, and Brian quickly gets a gun uh, from one of the uh, suits. Well, because the, the the truck that was blocking the um, manhole gets exploded and flies off. and the, It's actually a really cool shot. Yeah, it is. It's yeah, really cool explosion. traditional effects. Brian gets his hands on a gun, and he points it at, like, Meadows or somebody, one of the, one of the uh, scientist guys. And the deputy is there, and he pulls his gun on Brian. He goes, I'll blow you out of your shoes, boy. Yeah, didn't even have to yeah. buy him dinner first. No. Oof. <laughs> blow him right out of his shoes. Uh, yeah, and this is basically like... This the, is the money shot. Right? Yeah, he's so he's explaining what's really going on to the deputy and to everyone in town. It's like, think about it. Like, you know, they're lying to you. Uh, it's... Uh, it, it's a weapon. They did it on purpose. Yeah. And Meadows is trying to brush that off. He's and, infected. He's lying. Yeah, he's lying. He's infected. He'll infect. All, he'll kill every one of you. Um, and then the blob comes out of the manhole and grabs Doctor Meadows. Oh yeah, it sure does. Yeah. And uh, it grabs him and trips him, and he also wing. The Meadows accidentally fires his gun and wings the deputy. Yeah. In the process. I thought he shot him in the throat, but it was just the arm. Yeah, yeah. He wings but the deputy doesn't last much longer anyway, so. Yeah. So, and then a really funny scene. I don't even know why they bother with that since he dies 30 seconds later. Yeah. Um, so the, the blob pulls Meadows into the sewer, folds him in half, I think. Yeah, it's yeah. real good. And uh, then all the all the uh, army guys, like the soldier guys, run up and just start shooting guns, like pistols yeah. and machine guns, into the sewer, like, indiscriminately. Ugh. And then uh, they throw a bomb down there as well. One of those... Uh, Charge pack. Yeah, it's like a, a, a canvas backpack, like a rectangle. They call it a charge or charge. something. Yeah, it's okay. just a big bomb. Big, uh, just plastic. And plastic. The, the military guy that throws it down there has a great line where he says, chew on that, slime ball. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, and But that doesn't kill it. Uh, it erupts out of the sewers. Uh, it gets that guy that dropped the bomb pack on him. Not before he pulls both the pins out of the grenades that are. Uh, on yeah, he tries right before it, d- it falls on him. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Doesn't do uh, anything to him. How does the preacher catch on fire? Uh, yeah. Let's see. Uh, 
Oh, he comes out yelling like, uh, "This has all been prophesied!" Oh, yeah. Right, the the end is coming, and uh, yeah, flamethrower hits him. Right, because they're trying to flame the blob. So yeah. they're going about it all wrong. You need to use ice. Yeah, no one, so, no one realizes. So Brian, that. of course, realizes this, and yeah. he goes, "I'll be right back." Right, and he goes and he gets the snow truck yeah. that Moss was cooling the beers in. And in the meantime, too, Meg grabs a fire extinguisher. Oh yeah, and she's holding it back. Yeah, she's blowing yeah. back, and and she yells like, uh, "It's the cold! They can't stand the cold!" So they they all hide out in the church at this point, right? Yeah, and then all the town runs into the church, and then Brian comes back with the snowmaker truck. Yeah, crashes it into the blob. Um, the oh, this is where the deputy gets folded in half. Oh, he gets folded yeah. in half yeah. so at, at the waist. Yeah, like, this guy just loves to get ki- his character just loves to get killed. This actor in in, in gross spectacular ways. Yeah, because this one and the toxic waste. Yeah, the toxic waste. And I do believe. Cup. Yeah, and I do yeah. believe in uh, X Files. He had a pretty spectacular death. He gets his head cut off. Remember? <laughs> it's a good niche. I like yeah. that. I like to be typecast as the guy who gets killed. Cool. Yeah, just Sean smart. Bean. Yeah, Sean Bean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he gets killed real cool. Uh, so. Yeah, this is all pretty chaotic, but uh, the snow truck's on its side. My Brian's stuck in there. Uh, Meg pulls a bomb pack and so, a gun off of one of the Fed guys. This part coming up, though, her bail. Yeah. Yeah. So she drops, like, so she gets up on that. She gets Brian out. She, yeah, she's shooting the gun at the blob to get it to come over to the yeah. truck, I guess. Yeah, so she gets the blob on the truck, and then she's drops, she drops the bomb to the truck, and she's trying to, she tries to jump off, and her shoe gets caught, and she just fucking swings straight down yeah. and smashes her face, and Brian's got to run up and, like, detangle her right before it explodes. Yeah. So it does, and... Uh, it turns uh, it turns into all those uh, pink crystallized. Yeah, so it crystallizes the whole blob. Yeah, it's dead. There's ice everywhere, like it's snowing. Uh, and then I wrote down, everyone's having a good time. Like a bunch of their friends didn't just die. Yeah, and they go, we better store this in the in the meat locker or whatever they say, you know, so it doesn't turn again. Yeah, and uh, that's the end of that right there. It's basically the end of the movie. And then we cut to one extra scene here. One weird scene where I guess they were kind of hoping there would be a sequel. Uh, to the preacher and he's all burned and scarred and uh, he's like you know got a new no, new congregation out in the he's desert he's got like long hair now yeah he's all fucking looking like Stephen Root <laughs> you yeah. know and he's like oh the, the, the it'll come it's, real it's soon give it a doomsday sermon. yeah he's like the doomsday and this lady comes up to him and she's like when is this gonna happen he goes oh very soon and he takes out his jar and the blob is now jelly yeah he says the lord will give me a sign yeah. and he pulls out his jar and the blob is moving around inside of the jar uh, yeah, and that is The Blob. That's The Blob. The 1988 version of The Blob. Uh, fucking awesome. Fucking awesome. Watch it. Find it. Download it. Fucking... Uh, recommend it to your friends. Recommend it to your friends. It Listen. is exactly what you want. Like, if you are that, if you love Scream, you know, you're like, this has it all. It's like a parody, and it's also a good horror movie. Well, there's another one out there, yeah. and it's The Blob. It's The Blob, and I did not know that about this movie. I just thought it was going to be... I thought I, I knew it was a classic, but I thought it was going to kind of just be a by-the-numbers horror movie that was also entertaining. I didn't expect it would be self-aware. No, and that's the and that's that's the thing that makes it special. And you can and the fact that it's written by you have to understand the pedigree of this movie, right? It's written by a legend. It's directed by a guy who I don't think he's a legend, but he's made a lot of good movies in his career. So he knows how to direct. He knows how to handle like egos and actors and and manage a set yeah. efficiently. And it really. Yeah, they knocked it out of the park with this one. It's deserving of its uh, cult status. This, this now. is going to become a rewatch for um, sure. Halloween for I me. I think I'm going to watch. I, I'm going to watch this again for sure. So I give this. 
uh, five uh, bottles of grenadine from Scott's trunk out of five. <laughs> That's funny because I'm going to give it five class rings out of five. Nice, nice. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, we're going to take a short break and come back with questions and what we learned. So you guys can wait and go fuck yourselves. Mm-hmm. Scott Jeske. Reverend, good game today. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Reverend. How are you? Well, hay fever's acting up a little bit, but I'll live. <laughs> yeah. Haven't seen you at the Sunday services lately. Oh, you want yeah, the ribbed well, I... or the regular? Ribbed, I, I guess. It... They're, they're not for me. All right, we are back with questions, and we got a couple questions for you today. Uh, my question for you, Chris, is this movie stars uh, the less famous brother of another famous actor. No, no defense to uh, Kevin Dillon, but I'm sorry, uh, Matt Dillon. No offense. No offense to uh, Kevin Dillon, but your brother is more famous than you. Yeah. Uh, sure. But yeah, uh, who, who else? Who's who's out there? Who's got? Who's a, a famous Hollywood actor, a big star, who has a brother who's also famous but less famous? Uh, good question. Um, well, the first most obvious one that comes to mind for me is Clint Howard. Yeah, for Ron, sure. Clint Howard's brother. Bald with uh, weird teeth. Yeah. yeah. But I love it, man. He's great. He's always great. He's always so good. Yeah. He's in one of my favorite Seinfeld, the two-parter where Kramer goes to uh, L.A. and they think he's the serial killer, but it ends up being, of course, Clint Howard. He was in a Star Trek episode couple, I saw recently. A couple yeah. different Star Trek episodes. So uh, lots yeah, of movies. He's great. Uh, Charlie Murphy. Charlie Murphy, for sure. Ryan Doyle Murray. Uh, yeah, Bill Murray's brother, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a lot, uh, kind of talks like this, kind of a rough guy. You'd all know him for sure, where I know him from, which is as the kind of asshole boss in uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Sure, yeah. The one who gives the, the jams, jam, the, jelly, jelly of the Month Club. The, subscri- the subscription to the Jelly of the Month Club, yeah. Uh, I just had one on the tip of my tongue a couple minutes ago, but I have uh, lost it now. Oh, Peter Aykroyd. Oh, yeah, Peter yeah. He's only in Dan Aykroyd yeah. movies, though. Uh, just giving him a job. Uh, oh, um, it's uh, a girl, but uh, Rain Phoenix, River Phoenix, and Joaquin Phoenix's sister. Oh, I don't even know who that is. She's not in a lot of stuff. Okay. But she's been in a few movies, yeah. Uh, you kinda, I just remembered, we brought this up in a, uh, the pe- uh, uh, Pandorum episode. Oh, Randy talking, Quaid. Randy Quaid and Dennis Quaid, but we were talking about it then, too, and it's like kind of debatable who's the bigger star at this point. I think, obvi- I think, I think Dennis Quaid like overall is the bigger star and has the better resume but Randy Quaid has starred in more actual like box office yeah. smash movies I, I mean for me I mean as discussed many times previously I'm a low class individual but uh, I, I remember way more Randy Quaid roles than uh, Dennis Quaid I think because Dennis I don't know Dennis Quaid was in a lot like a lot of stuff right and don't, he was also married to Meg Ryan at the height of her career which I think raised his profile quite yeah. a bit but he I think Dennis Quaid I think the reason is that he's a, a more handsome Dude, I think that's the end. I'm sorry. Yeah. Randy Quaid's an ugly guy. He's a good actor, non-attractive man. Dennis Quaid <laughs> looks like he was chiseled from uh, all-American marble. Yeah. He looks like he's one of those guys who's got that American face where he just looks like he should have an eagle like person on his shoulder. Yeah, he looks born to play I think he, general. He does. He plays General Hawk in G.I. Joe. Right. You know, of course he does, right? He just looks, yeah, he looks like that. Actually, uh, I don't know if you ever watched Workaholics. Uh, no, you watched that one? Not much? No, it's really funny. Anyway, uh, the... He plays the the father of the boss character of their boss in one episode. And he's mm. really good. Awesome. So yeah, okay. he's a funny guy as well. Uh, anyway, enough Dennis Quaid love. Yeah. That's a different podcast. Uh, I had another one too. Let me. 
Let me just think before. Uh, no, it's cool. We're not recording a podcast. No, we're not. Okay, you know, let's 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 go on to the next question, and I'll see if I can pull any more of these out because I had a bunch before. Yeah, yeah, that's a good topic. Oh, Sean Gunn, uh, James Gunn's brother. Oh, he's in Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Yeah, he's in a lot of James Gunn movies. Uh, uh, how about um, uh, Stallone? Oh, brother. Frank Stallone. Frank Stallone. Frank Stallone. <laughs> there's another one. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of those, man. Yeah. That's that's what's actually kind of funny about it. Peter Ackroyd, Frank Stallone. Yeah. Uh, there's another. Do it, right? There's another Murray yeah. brother too. Is there? Yeah, there is. Oh, what about Ashley Simpson? Uh, sure. Yeah, she sucked. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. did. She was worse than her sister, and that's saying a lot. Uh, okay, well, uh, yeah. Um, let me, I'll give you my question then. Okay. I'm good, I'm good at this, right? We're really drunk right now, Keep, by the this, way. This is our first podcast. Uh, one day I'll get my shit together, and I'll be really good at, like, you know, pacing. Just ask the question, Jesus Christ. Anyway, um, yeah, well, I mean, it's softball here, I guess, but this is a... A parody, I guess, but is a kind of a classic monster movie, creature feature. Creature feature for uh, sure, movie, yeah. Right. So, what are some others of those that you uh, enjoy watching as a films that you enjoy? Well, I said the watching? thing, and you admonished me for some reason. Well, but I stand it, by that because not only is it a, a, fa- a, a remake in and of itself, and a famous creature feature from the '50s, which is what you originally meant. Uh-huh. So I don't understand what your point was. Fair enough. But uh, it's also a fantastic remake, which is very similar aesthetically in terms of the gore and the blood and the body horror and creature effects to this movie. Uh, I also like uh, American Werewolf in London. Yeah. Uh, Dracula, the Bram Stoker one. Mm. <laughs> the Bram Stoker <laughs> the one. The Bram Stoker version. Yeah. Uh, I should I, probably uh, shorten that. Like Bram Stoker's Dracula. Another creature feature. You know, I, I got to say again, Underwater that came out this year um, starring a, an actress who I don't care for but might have uh, won me over with this movie, Kristen Stewart. Because it's the first movie where... It's called Underwater? Yeah, and I won't ruin who the main monster is, but uh, it's pretty dope. Sweet, okay. Yeah. Um, I immediately thought of Tremors. Oh, fuck yes. I Definitely classic monster movie. I love... And it all... Another... uh, It was on a list the other day. I read this list. It was the top 10 horror movies that take place primarily during the day. Mm. And Tremors was number one. Yeah. Because it all takes place in this tiny little southwestern town. Yeah, the heat of the desert. I, because of that movie, when I was growing up, I was obsessed with the American Southwest I, until I went there. <laughs> but I was obsessed with it. Like, I love mesas and, like, sagebrush and, like, all mm-hmm. that stuff. And then I discovered we kind of have that here, so I actually didn't have to go all the way to uh, to Arizona. Yeah, just go out to the... To the Okanagan. Okanagan. Uh, you know, I got obsessed with the Southwest when I was a kid, too, and it was because of an episode of the Magic School Bus where they go to the desert and they get shrunken down and they get, like, chased by a roadrunner and... Uh, the, really? Yeah. And they see, like, the... Like, we're talking about Lily Tomlin, like, the Magic yeah. School Bus. Yeah. It's a great show. It is. That was one of those cartoons that was on, so, like, when you were sick, that one was on at, like, noon. Yes. So you could watch like at least something while you were like bored, at, like watching yeah. terrible afternoon TV. I also think it's a testament how good it is that um, you you probably too enjoyed watching it way past like the intended age range, right? Yeah, well, it was same with like Captain Planet, right? Like yeah. I, I thought that was super lame. You've seen the Don Cheadle thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, everybody look up the SNL or no, uh, Funny or Die, Die sketch of Don Cheadle as Captain Planet. It's pretty it's fucking amazing. great. Uh, anyway, yeah, we're just uh, kind of going off. I got nothing else. Now. Yeah, uh, no more questions. Is, would you count Invasion of the Body Snatchers as a kind of? Yeah, because they're monsters. You just never see them. Right. They're yeah. like a fungi. They're a fungus or something, right? Yeah. Or a spore. A spore. A spore. Um, yeah. Or a whore. I um, 
I, uh, um, I, uh... We're going to cut all that out, and we're going to be back in a couple minutes with what we learned. Sir, the organism is growing at a geometric rate. By all accounts, it's at least a thousand times its original mass. This will put U.S. defense years ahead of the Russians. You don't understand. At this rate, by next week, there may be no U.S. All right, we're back for a very wet and sloppy what we learned. Uh, you're pretty, Nathan. I lit this cigarette the wrong way. <laughs> this song is about me. Uh, anyway, uh, we, we said we were going to look up the uh, the pharmacist from... Um, the Blob. The Blob. The, <laughs> the movie that we spent an hour and a half talking about. Uh, the actor's name is Art Lafleur. And uh, I think what you remembered him most from, Chris, is he plays Babe Ruth in one of your favorite childhood movies, The uh, Sandlot. Absolutely. Yeah. Sandlot's a great film. The great Bambino. Yeah. The Big Bambino? The Great Bambino. Was it The Great Bambino? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't like baseball. Anyway, what did you learn? <laughs> uh, so I learned, so obviously The Blob is based on, or is a remake of the 1958 original monster movie, Creature Feature of The Blob. Um, that movie was uh, directed by Kay Lineker, a woman. Whoa, a woman? Yeah. Do you think that she had any issues on set? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, so she wrote Is she related it. to David Lineker? Ooh, uh, let's find out. No, she's not. No. Uh, so yeah, uh, Kay Lineker, uh, she was an actor in Creature Features, and I think that's where she kind of got the idea for The Blob. Uh, and I don't think you know if she directed much else, but The Blob is the thing she's the most famous for. And she also gave it the name The Blob. Originally, Screenwriter, too. Yeah, originally during production, it was for a while it was called The Molten Meteor, and she thought The Blob was a better name. So and what you're saying right. is that she got all the, the men really drunk and talked them into calling it The Blob. Because if they had said it sober, they would have laughed her out of the room, pinched her bum, and said... That's great, sweet cakes. We'll take it under advisement. We'll put it right on the table. Thanks. Uh, I, I think they liked it, but they all just assume her husband wrote it for her. Well, they thought that she was hysterical, maybe. Yeah. That is really cool, though. I didn't know that, and that's awesome. That's a, that's a serious pioneer right there. Mm-hmm. So, Kay Lineker, kudos to you. Uh, and kudos to uh, Chuck, or Charles as he goes by now, Russell, for uh, doing a good remake. Because you know what? There aren't that many good remakes, even to this day. No. Like, there aren't. Like, no, there, this, this one did it right. The majority of remakes suck, and it's crazy that two movies called The Thing and The Blob managed to be more than the sum of their parts, uh, better than their previous versions, and are both both failed at the time and became cult classics, so that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Yeah, I'm out. Oh, well, right before that, uh, as always, please uh, uh, subscribe to the podcast on whatever you're listening to it on. Please leave a review if you would like. And as always, a big shout out to our producer and the love of my life, Erica. You're the best. We couldn't do it without you. Um, uh, I hope you don't have to come over later and see me in the state. <laughs> and, uh, I kind of do. Yeah. Uh, and also, please follow us on Instagram at HandsomeBicePod. That's me. Talk to me. I'll talk to you. Tell me a movie you want us to do. I'll do I'm it. not going to talk to you. I'm though. easy. I can be bought. He is easy. You don't have to pay me any money. You can just... buy him with a bag of uh, Cool Ranch Doritos, a yeah. little bag. And some sour cream. That's all I need. Just, just you know, just talk to me. That's enough. You have to lick the sour cream off his balls, though. <laughs> Bye.